All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam, uh, AC, and Chuck. We are still trying to figure out how to do this podcast business, but uh, we call this flow with Chuck and AC. Flow as in, what was it, Franklin Lakes, Oakland, Wyckoff. Even though we have no desire to talk about those towns. And it has nothing to do with being there. It just so happens that's the area we met and we became friends. And uh, now we do podcasts to record these conversations that uh, can kind of go down some major rabbit holes and cover a lot of topics. But we're told uh, we're both somewhat entertaining when we do so. So, Charles, how are we? Doing well, brother. Uh, I just wanted to touch base real quick on... Uh... <clears throat> talking about people being uh, thin-skinned and uh, oh yeah yeah one of my favorite topics I, I was on uh, Twitter the other day and I um, had made a comment about uh, I thought that um, homosexuality is so uh, widespread these days in our society and it's almost like it's being forced upon us to be accepted um, and not only do I think that it's wrong I mean you just look at nature mm. and see that it, you know it's uh, it's immoral but as a black man I take it personal specifically because I feel like there's a war being waged right now on a on a black community by white supremacy mm-hmm. um, is, by gay white supremacists no no no, 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 no not at all by uh, like I said just white supremacy period I mean a lot of KKK members have um, hung up there their hoods and their garb for uh, blue shirts and badges. You know, the FBI came out with a study confirming that this is the case. Well, there, there, it can be two clubs that uh, kind of fold together in certain, in certain organizations, and definitely, uh, probably more of a regional thing, you know, than anything else. Systemic, yeah, but. You know, obviously, there's some real strongholds with the clan where they are, you know, yeah. on the map, geographically speaking. I'm not necessarily saying it's just a southern thing, because there's chapters of that shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, one of the things I generally think of when it comes to the blue kind of uh, bad guys, bad cops, and then them being around each other is more just, like, I, like I've said to you many times, it doesn't even have to be they belong to this organization or that organization, like, you know, Kate, the Klan or whatever. It's more systemic in the sense that um, there's a structure within, at least the way I've been observing, within the white community that we're supposed to be so afraid of black people and we're supposed to be uh, so on guard that, you know, um, they all kind of agree to that bias regardless of what happens. And I remember we were talking about that and you were like, you were kind of like shocked. You're like, why would we be, why would you be afraid of me? 
walking down the street. I'm like, well, physically, you're like what six foot fucking four, <laughs> and you know I'm I'm this munchkin at five eight. You know, there's that, but you know from a cultural perspective, white women, you know suburban uh, uh, families that don't have access to any black community, all they see is what they're being presented. You know, through media and stuff like that. And I'm not even going to say it's like liberal media does this, right wing media. Does this. It's all media portrays like black culture and specifically black black men really in two lights. One is the the criminal element and dangerous, and the other one tends to be a little more wild and over the top. You know, which is why you know we were just when we pulled in the driveway, we were talking about Obama. You know, well spoken, all that other stuff. Those those words come out about them, but you know the the reality is is that the perception out there is like black guy equals gangster, black guy equals crack dealer, carjacker, rapist, and that goes back. You know, so without even like joining a club like the Klan, you know, you still land in that same spot, and that's that's. I've I've seen it, and I don't know how aware you are of it, but when you and I have gone out to like have a beer or sit down, like the Dunkin' Donuts in Livingston, we're sitting down, and there's like this Jewish family on the left, the Jewish family on the right, Asian family over there, and we start talking about this stuff, and you could feel like butt cheeks clenching together, like pow. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Well. What makes you think like there, there's like an agenda though, like to get this out there, because there's something going on. Yeah, well, you know, like I was saying, the reason I was saying that I feel that you know being a black, being a black man and being gay, it's like you're taking yourself out to fight. Um, taking it out of what fight though? The fight against white supremacy. Okay. Like I don't think there's I don't think that there's gonna be a race war in this country, but I feel like eventually there's gonna be a war between racist whites and everybody else. That's going on right now. And, and as far as I'm sorry to step on you here, no, no, but that's that I said to you that there the there's already a civil war happening. We just haven't woken up and seen it. It's the liberal woke people where it's like, you know, the soccer mom, Karen, is, you know, offended that somebody else says something that has nothing to do with her or hurts her in any way. It's just this culture of outrage. And it's like, there's this left category and far right category. And the way that shit's being shoveled throughout media and it's propagated through social media mostly, and we're the ones that do it. We just pollinate, you know one news feed after another because I know you and you're attached to my let's say 700 or 1,000 friends on Facebook. We all share information and see, see the same things. Uh, so the information being cast out that way. But um, mo- most of it is prop- I'm seeing propagated by fear. Um, but you have these different factions that are all being amped up and uh, there's an outrage culture on the left but they're so outraged that they're becoming absurd like you know all of a sudden 
the fact that we've had conversations about the, I have to call this person him, they, and then there's like made up ones now. Uh, come on. There's an agenda there. I'm not so sure about the agenda that you and I have talked about, though. Like, Well, I th- you know, I know this might sound crazy to you, Adam, but, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you look at, like, your big game hunters or your, you know, your people who take trips to Africa on these safaris and they just to go kill a rhinoceros mm. or an elephant or, you know, a giraffe. Sure. Pose with it. Those are all white people. Oh, yeah. You know? And <laughs> black people don't do that. Yeah, black people, we, we're not taking, we're not spending thousands of dollars to go to Africa to shoot a fucking a, Ele- an elephant. Or, or whatever. You know, like, come on, like, I have better things to do with my money. Mm-hmm. I mean, but more than that, those are majestic creatures. Like, <laughs> you know, if I'm driving and I've run over a, a squirrel, I feel fucking bad, like, and it's a little fucking squirrel. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this just tragedy just happened in this house. Yeah. And it was funny because you said she ran over a squirrel. Cause I almost clipped a couple the other day. And right. Somebody in the house already got one. Yeah. And, you know, that was that was the, a big event for yeah, the day. That's what I'm saying. So imagine you go kill this fucking 8,000 pound big elephant. Like, how can you, like, for what? Like, okay. Uh, okay. To be, to, to be fair. There's really two types of hunting in my head, right. and, and let's see if you follow me here. There's the one where um, I actually have to work for it. You know, I gotta stalk the thing for miles and miles and stay downwind from it, and I gotta you know set it up, and then somehow figure out to kill it as fast as possible, humanely, you know, without it having to suffer, and not have to chase it and you know hit it a bunch of times it's kind of like wolves how they slowly dismantle that that weak thing in the flock and it, it slowly gets tortured and dies but I have to responsibly hit it kill it carve it up and drag it all the way back right. versus I set out a bunch of bait I have laser sights and you know these telescopic lenses and high velocity bullets and all this other stuff and I have sense and stuff that dragged the thing in that's an assassination you know that's that's a setup turkey shoot almost like here comes JFK in his limo and we have triangulated snipers that are fixed at certain points and all I gotta do is squeeze around and it's brain's gonna blow out and if I miss and I'm, I, I suck I'm gonna hit it four or five times with a high caliber thing from a mile away that's not that's not hunting to me but that's why that's white people shit. Speaking of white people shit, if we stood up, we could probably see the the bird feeders out there. <laughs> so yeah, most of you would not be in on that joke, but the, here's here's the explanation behind that. Uh, Chuck and I have a long going um, conversation about the white people shit specifically, because because Charles likes to point these out to me. And as the uh, official spokesperson for all white people, um, I <laughs> I have to answer to why meatloaf's bad out of hell is somehow still in the white culture, and why Journey is relevant, and uh, why people look at have bird feeders and uh, are obsessed with hummingbirds. I mean, 
My wife knows why she she got me into it, but you know. <laughs> but that's the per- <laughs> yeah. Okay, here the black ass shit. Okay, here here's a good one. I'm driving through one of the oranges. Right. Okay. And I'm driving down the road doing the speed limit, which is like grandpa speed, like 25 miles an hour. And some dude just walks across the street. I'm giving you a hypothetical. Dude walks across the street, doesn't look, doesn't turn his head, doesn't change his pace, knows I'm coming 25 miles an hour. He just walks in between two parked cars. Then he's walking in my lane. What color is that guy? He's a black man. He's a black man. Young black, a young black man. Yes, a young know. black man. Why the know. fuck is that going on? I don't know, man. I think it's like a... Because uh... <laughs> I don't want to... Look, with Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, and all the shit that's going on right now, the last thing I want to do is run down a young black man. Because, because what's going to happen to me is that's going to kind of be like the giraffe and when the, uh, you know, the, uh, the white KKK guy goes out with his high caliber gun to Africa to go blow away a giraffe. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, but worse. I don't, and listen, man, I don't know why they do it. I, it pisses me off too. I don't know if it's like a, uh, but is that the new pull up your pants thing? It could be. <clears throat> Cause it's kind of new. Is it not? No, nah, it's not new. It's been around it's not? for a nah, That's what I'm saying. But I, you don't walk across the street like that. Like I said, it's a young black man. Oh, it's a young black man. Well, what do you think? Like, should they're just invincible and they can do whatever they that's want? That's what I think. It's, it's um, something in that arena, you know. Because these three dudes, I was just leaving a client's house in Orange. And I'm leaving a client's house. These young black kids come out on their on their, the, the radio bicycles. Right. And they're cutting through like traffic, but this is—I uh, I, described basically that area. Right. So it's kind of like the nicer area, and then it kind of goes over where um, two eighty is, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just weaving in and out of traffic. And there's like you know triangular intersections where it's kind of like even if you live there, they're doing construction, and it's like you can't really see where the, the lines are and such. And these dudes are just zipping in and out. They don't even turn their head. And, look, I grew up in Hillside. And you know a little bit about Hillside. I was in a road next to Route 22. It went parallel. And 22, I had to go, you know, when they had desegregation, air quote desegregation, I had to go across town, across 22, to get to my school. And I was one of three white kids to go to the black school or whatever. Then that was called desegregation. So it's like they, they they took three tokens from each thing and threw us, kind of like you know like Indian Hills. We're like, hey, we need a we need an Asian. Get these three. <laughs> uh, it, did we even get there? Like with three, how many how many black kids were in uh, our graduating class? Because I uh, other than you and uh, one other guy, I, I can't. That's Kofi. It. That's it. It was you and Kofi. Yeah. That was it. The whole three hundred something group of people. <laughs> Kofi was, and wasn't he? I mean, he was African. He wasn't even. He black. was yes. He was not African American. He, he was, was African African. Right. Done. Exactly. I remember his dad. <laughs> was that Do you remember his dad? Kofi, <laughs> Kofi, kick the ball, Kofi. <laughs> you said that's all he was saying. Cool. That's all he was saying. He was a cool guy. Kofi and his dad. I should yeah. qualify that. 
And and like, I mean, I played soccer with the kid, and he was our fucking Pele. Right. I mean, he really was. Yeah. Head and shoulders, him and like uh, one of the Monaco boys. I think it was Frank. And oh, of course, I'm name dropping people here. It's not; it's just my memory is flowing. And uh, if they happen to hear it, you know, how you guys doing? Uh, but I'm not really trying to blow anybody up. Hopefully, I'm being complimentary in most. Of it. <laughs> but this is how these conversations go, and this is how this podcast works. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Chuck and I like to talk about a lot is, you know, we talk about music. Uh, and when there is some crossover, but uh, the thing about our generation and in our um, both cultural experiences is that it was just the beginning of certain things. Like hip hop took off right at right at the time, the right time for you, right? Perfect time, yeah. Because like, like just for the the audience that might actually listen to this ridiculous recording. Um, Chuck's wearing a Run DMC shirt, which is like kind of shadowed out. Run DMC guys with their their Adidas gear, their shell sneakers. Yeah, and it's like the 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 hats. The, the what was the Kango? Kango, yeah. Kango hats. Yeah. And it's funny because like, I was like, I had a front row to all that stuff because I was I was in uh, in the hillside. Yeah. And it blew up. First of all, like perspective wise, we we talked about this several times. Thriller, within like like two or three years, yeah. it was like Thriller, yeah. Purple Rain, Madonna, Like a Virgin, Like a Virgin. Um, shit, I'm missing something else. Lionel Richie was huge, but I think he was more like pop. But like the big ones, Thriller. That was the big three. Run DMC, Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. Run D- Run DMC, Thriller. LL. Yeah, but like he didn't have that big album. Not yet. Um, it, it was four. It was it was uh, Run DMC, Thriller, Purple Rain, and Like a Virgin. Between eighty three and eighty four, and that's sick. That's right. And we we talked about this. And there's there's that seems to be a, a number that repeats itself for in in music because you know you can actually go back and say like uh, in the sixties, sixties mostly white music, but changed a lot you know you have like the Beatles the Stones the Who and the Doors mm-hmm. it's like boom 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 or you know you go into say Pink Floyd or something like that but when you know we're talking specifically in our age range where like things kind of just exploded and changed and everything went in a different direction and also has a lot to do with how we were communicating so like the internet started right around the same time they all kind of converged at the same point and for me, it was um, I was into metal, and then things got really soft in the late '80s and '90s. And it was this hair bands and dudes looking like chicks, wearing makeup and spandex, and basically being women. They were good musicians, to me, awful songwriters. But then all of a sudden, grunge came, and it was the opposite of that. But there was a there was a series of four again, and it started. It was Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Probably you can argue some temple pilots, and that's one that crosses over to your area or your preference, mm-hmm. and uh, Alice in Chains. And you can even substitute 
one or the other. They, I can make an argument for Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all this other stuff. But um, it's basically like big fours. Um, in in high school for me it was metal, and it, it was like uh, Anthrax, Megadeth, Metallica, and uh, what was the other one? God, oh Slayer. Yeah, so it was like th- you didn't argue anybody on that list, and. Uh, that was also we were lucky enough to be at the same time. Your one of your favorite sports is, is basketball. You you played basketball. Yeah. Did you did you uh, uh, were you varsity all four years? No, I um, sophomore, junior, senior. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I was I I you you were playing the you know the stereotypical you know black sport basketball and you played uh, football too right yeah and. Then I, I did the completely typical white sport of ice hockey. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and, you know, a lot of people who hadn't seen me in a while chuck and vouch for the fact that I'm so white I'm almost clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could see you could see my veins through my, like, translucent white-ass legs. But, yeah, but we also had, like, front row seats to uh, the rise and dominance of Jordan. Yeah. And Michael Jordan and, and you know... Also, from a cultural impact, you went from Run DMC's shells and and those to Air Jordans were the gold standard. Right. Period. Yeah. And I had Gretzky. Yeah, I was gonna say Gretzky. And anybody, it, there was nobody else even close, you know. So like, one of my friends uh, years ago, we would like have friendly debates like who's better, Gretzky or Jordan, just for right. shits and giggles. Uh, but the thing was is that you can't compare the two because the, the rule books were literally torn up and thrown away. I think where you can tip the scales, and I'm very biased as far as the overall innovation and impact of the game, I think Gretzky changed the game in ways that no one can possibly fathom. His vision, like how players flow um, based on some of the choices he made, influenced all coaches, not only the players, but coaches and how they do their offense and defense strategies based on one person. Jordan was similar, but he had so many gifts that um, he, without someone with those abilities, they're not able to be, be replicated. You know, it's like he's almost too talented. Right. I think of, um, one of the most... Uh, awesome things about Jordan is the fact that he uh, not only is he 6-0 in, in championship well, games championship, yeah. but um, he never even played a game 7 whoa yeah so he, he got rid of you quick you know like when it came to the finals he he was like uh, you know yeah well it's something to be said about like being a big game player but I think I think that I think the true champion is is one that can close. I mean, Gretzky Gretzky only did it four times. Okay, has he ever lost in the finals? Yes. Well, no semifinals. Well, obviously Jordan lost in the semifinals, but they had a streak where they could have gone five in a row, and it's pretty tragic though. They won the first two, and it was like basically no question that they were going to go. But I think they went to Game Seven at least once. I mean, I can actually Google that, but. Um, we're, we're not here to be factually correct. Right. The point is, is that of the five, the f- the most interesting part was uh, 
one of their players scored on their own goal. Wow. And the semifinals, but it interrupted the, the, the three-peat. Okay. The three-peat. Which, so Gretzky only has five chips? No, he's only, he's only got four. Wow, I thought he... Oh, okay. One of his teammates, uh, Mark Messier, which, which, you know, the way you know me, and one of the most vivid memories of me was me being a Ranger fan, right? Yeah. Like, that was just the thing. But uh, Mark Messier, um, he has six. But he was six on uh, two separate teams, okay? Um, this is pretty impressive. Four with um, Edmonton. Wait, five maybe? And then he had one with uh, with the Rangers, but the one with the Rangers is the one he's like going to be known for forever, right. because you know you have fifty four years of being a loser, and then you finally get a, a championship, and then I'm still waiting for the next one. It's twenty five plus more years. I lost track. You know, Crazy. to the to the point where it's like they're like when they won when they won the cup. That was like the best day for me. You're a Redskins fan. How many titles have you had in your life? Three. Three? Yeah. Three times. 82. See, um, that's not... 82 with that's Joe cool. Theismann. That's not cool. John Riggins. 87 with Doug Williams, the first black quarterback. That's right. And then 91 with Mark Rippin. Beat the Bills. 37. But the Doug Williams one, that was a good one. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was big, too, because they went up 10 nothing on us. And we fucking stormed back 42 to 10. Remember, um... Did you see that Monday Night Football game when uh, LT broke uh, Joe Theismann's uh, leg? Of course. I was watching it. You were watching that real time, right? Yes, sir. What did yeah, you think? Well, how did you react to that? I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit. I knew something was crazy because Lawrence Taylor took his helmet off and was like, yo. Yeah. Like, this shit crazy. Like, yeah. you could hear a break. He, but he was like. pound fracture. He was like, yo. Mm-hmm. That bone was literally sticking out of his oh. leg, yo. <laughs> you know, um, I know knowing that I follow like the the most popular podcast. I know you. I can't play um, YouTube videos because uh, well, we get taken down. But um, I wish I could see that. You know, like I could play it. I could play it on mute, so we could both look at it. But it's it's so horrific. I don't need to. I can still just see it. Yeah, I can see it in my head. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. And and you know what? There's there's one, there's there's one NHL moment. Like I'll offline, I'll send it to you. But I'm gonna warn you in advance. If you get like squeamish or something, don't watch it. It's uh, uh, you know, for anybody listening, it's it's uh, and you want to watch it, and it's not safe for work. It's not. It, you're pro- if you get sick or whatever, it's going to be scary because the the goalie actually gets his jugular caught by it by a uh, skate, um, and the way it plays out is pucks coming from the the neutral zone into the offensive zone, and uh, I'll take you through the play. They the, the uh, one player on Buffalo dumps the puck. I'm sorry, the opposing team dumps the puck, which means he just throws it in the offensive zone and goes to retrieve it later. Um, The goalie comes out for Buffalo and tries to poke it away. So he's down on his knees and his hands out and his chin's up. 
and the Buffalo defender and the guy that dumped the puck in the zone collide and they slide together towards the goalie that's on his knees. One of the players' feet goes up and it hits him right underneath the chin, underneath the the cage and the mask, uh, cutting the jugular. And I don't know the exact stitches count, but I'm willing to bet it was over 100 or 200. Um, But he spins around, he whips his uh, goalie mask off, he clutches his chest, and he's on his knees, and it's just a curtain. Oh, my goodness. It's a curtain. Okay, all right. Yeah. That was the worst thing I've seen. The second worst was Joe Theismann. Oh, shit. And the guy survived that? Yeah. He played like a week later. He had to lose like half his blood right there. He would have lost his life if there wasn't a surgeon... In the audience that climbed over the glass, over the top of that glass, and was dropped down, and he came over and pinched his jugular with his bare hand. So this is also how mental hockey players are. He got stitched up. He a plate to something to cover the neck. He's, yeah, there's like a, a like a plexiglass yeah. thing, but it's not really reliable. Protection-wise, for hockey players, you know, the more you think you're like you'd be like wearing this all armor and stuff like that, your perception is football. And football is you got everything protected. Your kidneys are protected, and you got hips are protected, and your knees. And that's not hockey. Hockey is like you got a little cap here on each shoulder, you got a little thing here, open, open, open. Your hip bones a little bit protected, your thighs, your shins, your elbows, hands, face sorta. But then when you start going up in in, in like ability level, the protection actually reduces itself because you want to be more mobile. But the problem is. And what I experienced and all my injuries and whatnot is that me at 5'8", 175, moving, moving at 40 miles an hour, the dude that's 6'4", 230, can also move at the same rate. And there's no out of bounds. So eventually, he's the same speed as I am. I'm getting clipped. And it's just a matter of physics at that point. It takes care of itself. But you opt for a small, smaller gear for agility and speed. And also weight, you know, like, um, I don't know if you knew this, but as far as, like, the, the sport of hockey itself, you're watching TV and you don't really notice the player cycling in and out. They're actually cycling in and out every 35 seconds or so. And, and that's not long. You know, football, it's like a series, right? And maybe you get, like, a couple package receivers or, right. you know, uh, specific specialists that come in the field right. and, you know, because your son was really deep into football. Right, yeah. And, and very gifted as well. So, but you have the size, the speed, and all that other stuff. And that only, like, really takes hold in the upper, upper levels. Right. But, yeah, there's no there's no out of bounds there. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right. And, and you know, also what, you, what you're out of bounds is, is a wall or glass. And that doesn't give much. And... They've actually started to engineer like rinks and stuff like that to actually flex more because they used to be hard. And like just, you know, this the weird uh, culture of hockey is, you know, if you're all like protected up and you got all this shell and more of a face mask and you know, bigger pads, you know, you're you're basically like uh you're a baby or wuss, you know, you're 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 weak. Yeah. You know, so the guy that doesn't have 
uh, a face shield is you know the tough guy. Uh, yeah. But you know, here's the thing: like with the yeah. with the shield, I'll do the half shield all day, every day, because I like seeing. You know, I really like the fact that I have vision. You know. Uh, yeah. And when it was something, the the any time I played, um, I would always opt for you know the most protection because of my size. But when it came down to face stuff, was always like the minimal. Even even in high school, I got thrown out of high school games because I, w- I was wearing a three quarter shield instead of a full face mask. Wow. But anyway, so uh, just want to change topics really quick. Maybe we'll close it out soon. Remember we were talking about we were, we were circling back to another topic we had just mentioned was, you know, we have, like, this culture of promoting one agenda. Right. You know, like like a gay agenda or, you know, LGBT, you know. Like right. Chappelle was saying, like, the alphabet people. Right. Um, which, to me, it's like, do whatever you want. I don't really care. Doesn't, doesn't mess with my day or my life at all. Um, but we had, like, this liberal side, this way left side that it almost completely nutty and comical at this point they're cartoons as far as I'm concerned they're clowns um, and they don't make any sense because they contradict themselves left and right yeah yeah but and they all contradict themselves and no one's mad enough um, but you have the liberal outrage but then you have back to fear you have like the the conservative point where it's like don't take my gun oh my god right. you, oh you're gonna take they're not coming to take your guns. Right. You already have your fucking guns. However, if the U.S. government and the military decided they wanted to take your guns, what are you going to do against a drone that fires Hellfire missiles that are laser laser guided? You, you think your AR-15 is going to stop that or slow them down? Or or better yet, you know, they go door to door. And I mean, this is that weird fantasy that a lot of them have that they're going to be like Red Dawn style. You know, facing off the Russians in their in their you know uh, country backyard, it's not happening, you know. But the thing is, like, they're all afraid, and I was talking about they're afraid of country becoming too homosexual or too accepting of um, spending money on people that didn't unquote, quote unquote earn it, you know, universal health care. Or, you know, something like that is being a right, but being afraid that someone's going to get something for nothing or take something away from them, like my money or my retirement or my rights, or you can't tell me when to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. Um, However, they fall in the same categories as a lot of dummies do, which is don't take my gun and all that other stuff, and they're afraid all this stuff's happening, which none of it really, I, I don't know of any agenda. You know, I think we and I were busting balls with each other. It's like at the Black Lives meeting, you know, are you sitting around going, how do we fuck up every police department everywhere and have anarchy? There is no agenda that's going on like that. Right. And, and it's being promoted in the media right now. And the other side is, you know, it's like, do you think the group goes around and is like, oh my God, uh, what are you going to do? I saw a black person today. Uh. You know, whatever. Honestly, I think there's there's 
like uh, the way people vote, a lot of their opinions is based on their 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 biases and fear. They they enjoy validation, especially on Facebook. Right. You know, like you can have an opinion on Facebook and right. comment on something, and somebody goes, "Who asked you?" Like you were telling yeah. me before, or I could say something nice, and someone corrects me and says, "You're not nice enough." Exactly. So. We have a lot of dummies that have a, a platform now, because now seven hundred, two thousand, or five thousand, or whatever friends you have on social media, Twitter, Facebook, mean something, and you can pro- propagate your outrage or your fear directly from that. Yeah. And the outrage is, I can't believe. Do you believe what he said? Right. He said, you know, he didn't use the right pronoun when he was referring to that person. How dare you? Likewise, you know, you're don't tread on me. You know, you're you're gonna take my gun. Right. I understand it. You know, it, it's it, it's part of your rights. But I mean, this is already taken now. If you think about it. Yeah. Well, but, but to me, it's like, are, are you gonna be able to defend yourself against a fully armed uh, aircraft carrier? You're not. Yeah. You know, unless you got unless you hold nuclear launch codes, you're not in the same class. But pretty much. I don't think the government's worried about you and your 12 gauge and your 40 cal Glock. I don't think they're really worried about that. Because honestly, a lot of these people that scream the loudest about this would be the last people to pick up the firearm and run to the front. They would be the last fucking people. Because most of them are not military and they're not law enforcement, which is fucked up. They're wannabes. And personally, because of a lot of issues, I choose not to have a firearm. I have other weapons. Right. We've discussed that. But I don't see the need for me to have something that needs a certain magazine or laser sights or whatever. If I was going to do it, I would do it right, though. Right. But likewise, I could give a shit how many you have. One of my best friends in the world, probably sitting on a mini arsenal. And especially after all this stuff with the COVID yeah. went down. I know he's stocked up. He's right. a goofy guy. Right. But. I think he was growing up thinking that he was going to be Rambo or, you know, in, in the Red Dawn movie and fight off the, the Russian bombers and whatnot with his his uh, his Czechoslovakian Kalishnikov. Right. The reality is, is that if you walked in the room and said you were going to kick his ass, you'd make him cry and he'd never reach for the gun and he'd be in a fetal position in the corner before anything happened. That's funny. So... Anyway, Mr. Mr. Hardy, do you have any um, topics you need to clear up? Um, I just kind of think it's kind of crazy how the uh, Black Lives Matter has been uh, hijacked. Like, if you ever hear me say Black Lives Matter, it's not the movement, it's the actual people. Yeah, I think it needs to be more. I think it has it. It would be more effective if it had a face, yeah. a real face, and a real like mission, a real you know yeah. you know what I mean? Because right now it's just this. It. It's just this blob of stuff. No one knows really what it is or what it stands for. And, the funny thing is, as far as I'm concerned. This isn't here because you don't see a Black Lives Matter thing on my 
um, my, my lawn or yeah. anything like that. Right. And, you know, I've heard people get offended with somebody saying, like, a specific, this would be a white guy saying it usually, well, all lives matter. Well, yeah, of course, but, you know, I think, and I can't speak for anyone other than my opinion, when I see Black Lives Matter, it means they haven't mattered enough. Like, I know mine, in a lot of cases throughout my life, mattered more. I know if there was, you know, we've heard comedians joke about it, like, if there's a hostage situation, you know, who are they going to take? <laughs> you know, are they going to take you? Are they going to take me? Yeah. I ain't worth much. But, but the, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it was a joke, but the, the reality is, is that kind of is it. So, when do they start mattering? Exactly. You know? So, I have a shirt that says, All Dogs Matter. Right. You know, I'm not really wearing it out now because you know somebody's going to get offended. But you know who's going to get offended? It's not going to be a black dude, black dude like you. It's going to be a, like a fucking soccer mom, Karen, that's all woke. And she's going to be like, how dare you? What? Uh, yeah, all lives do matter. But I know that if you and I are doing the same traffic violation in the same neighborhood about the same time of night and all that stuff... My treatment versus your treatment unquestionably is different. Oh, yeah. It's going to be different. From the time the guy scans the uh, uh, license plate and gets the registration. I and mean, from that moment on. And if he happened to see you silhouette-wise, you know, how the, the, the cops approaches. And that goes back to what I was saying about the fear. The, the, the cop that's approaching already has some sort of version of PTSD. He's already got a, a very substantial cultural bias that's been fed to him that he should be afraid. And I know this because I was taught to be afraid in Hellside. And I moved to Oakland. And I moved all around the country. And then I came back. And then for a short stint, I was going... I was driving Uber everywhere. And driving Uber through Newark and Patterson and all these other neighborhoods. I learned one defining thing is that basically everybody wants the same thing. They don't want to be fucked with. They just want to get through their day. That's it. Just be treated pleasantly with respect. And that's it. But all opinions kind of come back to the same thing. I don't want to mess with your stuff. You don't have to mess with mine. So, you know, to you also, where it's like, you know, there seems to be an agenda and a shift as far as, you know, uh, homosexuality or whatever I think it it can be somewhat of an evolution of things that not necessarily you have to accept because you can feel the way you want to feel but at the same point too there's a point where I kind of throw my hands up in the air with some of that stuff and said well I don't really care that much because it doesn't like I don't trip over most of this every day and it's, the media goes looking for it and pushes it up front. I can tell you the programming on that TV set, my living room, a lot of stuff in there that gets shown is way more homosexual and gay than it ever was. But that's because, you know, the woman that's viewing it, you know, wants to be a part of it. So it has to do with fashion or art or those categories, which... Well, my thing with that is I feel like 
the biggest threat to white supremacy is black masculinity. Yeah. Well, that's where the fear comes from. So, if we can promote black homosexuality, especially especially black men being homosexual, yeah, we can. That that's white supremacy's way of trying to. But does that make does that make black men weak? Is that what you think? Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I don't think that at all. Because I think actually it's it's a little bit stronger to be like I don't care about that. It's irrelevant. Well, see the reason. Because you know, seriously, Chuck, if 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 you were one of the most empowered things you you can be is unaffected by someone else's perception. Right. You know, if you have your vision and you you have your mission, all the other things fall away. You know. I uh, like. Well, I want you to hit me out. Sure. That's, that's why we do this. Right. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that, and, and, and listen to what I'm saying, I didn't say white homosexuals. Mm. I said black homosexual men. Mm. I see the black lesbian women, mm. but I'm not talking about them. Right. I'm talking about the black homosexual man. Yeah. There's only a limited number of free black men walking around right now because... 20% of all black men are locked up. So incarcerated. Right, incarcerated. Okay. And so, that should be changed based on probably a lot of the white supremacy all the throughout the drug judicial laws. system. That drug laws, draconian laws, yeah. the rock the Rockefeller law. I mean, we can go on and on and on. You the can crime bill that Biden wrote you all of that. Probably system. dump out uh, and, and and these aren't like hardcore criminals either. I mean, you could probably dump out 45 Percent yeah. of the prison population People, nationally. I mean, you could look it up. Everybody has a, a smartphone. Yeah. A black man gets twenty years for a dime bag of weed. I mean, are you fucking kidding well, me? That goes to you and I are, are driving through Finding Franklin Lakes, right? And I'm in car A and you're in car B. I get pulled over, and I, you know, cop says, you know, do you know why I pulled your over? I said, no. What, what the fuck? I'm late, and I give him a hard time. He lets me off with a warning. You, on the other hand. You're you're you know spread out and you know they're in, inspecting your, you know they're bringing the canine right. to sniff for narcotics yeah. or, you know, thinking you you just knocked over the convenience store, which really, exactly. But it, it's it's the the fear of, you know, the supremacy, and the funny thing is, is that, it, I mean just jokingly it's like the only thing I think like really white men need to be fear of being supreme in, in the black area. It isn't the obvious thing I would say, but it would be you know from an athletic perspective. I mean, if baseball stayed segregated, Hank Aaron, you know, Jackie Robbins, every talent. And then you go down the line, you know, or with football or something like that. Think of all the names that would have been discarded, like legends, boxing. Ali Tyson, you know, just easily roll, roll, roll off the top. I mean, and what's left over? Yeah. You know, you take Jordan out of the equation. <laughs> Who's the best guy after Jordan? What Bird? In our when when we were growing up, Magic take Magic Johnson. out because if you took them all out, Patrick Ewing. I mean, you want to talk about how he's gone too. Are. You want to talk about the great Nick? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's crazy. 
but fear fear of the fear of that kind of supremacy. He's bigger, he's faster, he's better, he's you know. And then somebody becomes president. There's fear there too. That's saying hope and change. And they're giving hope to people for change. And there's one faction of society that goes, I'm afraid of change. Right. And that change is coming in, in the way of, oh my God, they're going to move in next door and they're going to change everything. They're going to do, it's going to destroy my way of life. Let's make America America great again. Yeah. Well, that's what you, you hear Trump now talking about if Biden wins, uh, the attack on the suburbs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, 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 like you said, the soccer mom. You're you know you're going to be attacked and your suburban house is going to be wrecked and ruined and yeah. burned to the ground and all that. You know, it's, you know he's trying to stir off white white fright. You know, but yeah, but the, and, and 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 that's where I could see that there is this division. The problem is, is that both groups got hijacked. You know, in my mind, I tend to be more liberal. Like, I don't care about the gay or whatever agendas. I don't really give a shit. I, I did at one point, but I, I became not friends, but friendly with a gay man. He explained something to me very basically, and I went, ah, I get it. You know, and at that point, I just kind of like dropped it. It was just like, yeah, I don't need to spend time on this. And mainly what it came down for me was the, the dude was like, look, even if a gay man's attracted to you personally, he knows what team you're on. So it's just basically like, eh. You know, and one one of the things he said to me was like, it's kind of like seeing an old widowed woman, like, you know, senior citizen woman. You know, that, that that's how off limits, like, a straight white married man is or let's just straight married man is to a gay man. They're like, eh, there's other fish in the sea and it's actually pretty easy for them to, to hook up in most cases because, you know, mm-hmm. we're animalistic and we say, you want this? Yeah, I want some too. Okay, here you go. But I've never had a, like, literally kicked out my door. So I, I could change the channel on TV or radio station. Well, that's what I'm saying. My, my beef isn't so much the sexual part or them coming on to me. Mm. It's the fact that it's one less soldier in a fight against white supremacy. You understand I, what I'm saying? I, yeah, I can see that. So that's what it is. Not so much that, because I mean, I have gay cousins. It's not It's not that, oh, you're going to look at me and want to suck my dick. Nah, it, nothing like that. It's the fact that, you know, every day, every other day, a black man is getting killed in the street, shot by cops or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's... There's no repercussions for it, you know. There's no accountability. Yeah. So at some point in time, you know, because I'm telling you, if something happens, if something happens to one of mine, I'm, that that cop is getting taken out by me. Mm. I don't give a fuck. So you know, you have to understand that some people will accept certain things, and some people won't accept that shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could look it up. Robert Horry, one of the greatest basketball players, they call him Big Shot Bob. He mm-hmm. was on TV and saying the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. yo, I hope and pray nothing happens to one of mine because I'm gonna have to be sitting in the jail cell because, you know. I think that's just being a father. Exactly. I mean, because that's where I am. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, like you said before, don't mess with my stuff. I won't mess with your stuff. And my family just so happens to fall in that category of stuff. Like, leave my shit alone. Yeah. That's and, it. But I, I think what, one of the things that, that would be 
probably fair to say about like the two of us is that you know we're more towards center than left or right, right. and you know that opinion that you have actually swings more conservative yeah. than, than liberal because liberal is like we take everybody and then you know what now we need to like stuff it down people's throats yeah. and they actually sl- slide so far to the left they end up swinging all the way in a circle you know right. they contradict themselves all the time which is you know, downright embarrassing and comical likewise you know the one that is you know somebody that's just just voting strictly along party lines like Years, years and years that have gone by with the elections and stuff, I've always said that people are, you know, like two or three issue voters. I'm against gays. I'm against uh, abortion. So that means I'm Republican and I vote that way. Right. And but you know, okay, that's an opinion. Or you know, fiscally, I feel this way and whatever. Or, or you know, I think there should be gays in the military and whatever. And I vote Democrat. I think that's bullshit. Just vote for the right person for the right job. Because I think it's becoming abundantly clear, and it, it it'll be definitely revealed in the next four to eight years how comical a two party system is, how the fact that we have just you know red or blue, excuse me, two wings of the same bird. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's a comedian that I really like, um, Bill Hicks, that was very political. And innovative in the 80s and 90s. So it was another legend coming up at the same time. We were kind of coming of age. And uh, he'd say, you know, oh, I like the puppet on my on the left side. And, you know, he seems to appeal to my morals and sensibilities. But I like the, the other one on the, this side because the financial and, you know, religious and spiritual, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he's like, hey, wait a minute. Holy shit. That's the same guy holding up both puppets, you know. And, you know, come to look at it, all right, if pharmaceutical company funds both candidates, who, <laughs> bless you, that's no COVID. <laughs> but you have literally this, the, the, the two different opinions, two different camps or tribes or whatever that are lining up with each other and high-fiving each other when they think they're right. And uh, meanwhile, we're all versions of wrong because they're, these, these guys can be in office forever. They take money f- to the highest bidders, which shapes policy and opinions. Yeah. It stops bills from going into law. It stops bills from being creative or be getting actual support. And it stops like common sense things from actually happening. And I've yet to get a real logical description from, from anyone I don't care who you are, why I go bankrupt if I have a medical emergency in this country. We're the greatest country that ever was. I think anybody that lives here has that opinion, and most of the world does, even how fucked up we are now. Everybody wants to get here. We're running out of time. <laughs> However, I think the most important thing is is that we kind of get back to the basics. We get back to what's right. Moral common sense, you know, we're not hurting each other. You and I will have to look our other way in certain instances and let stuff go and be like, all right, it's not for me, but this group of people needs to have it. However, if you're supporting that, you can't make it mandatory for someone to love it. Right. 
or agree with it. What makes everybody great is that I could sit down and I could go, that's bullshit, and you could say it back to me, oh, fuck you, what you think is bullshit, but we can come to some conclusion that that third party can at least get a seat at the table. Right. That's real. Right? Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chuck, pleasure. Hope you guys are listening and uh, you enjoy. Uh, Surprise. Yeah, the two of us are friends. All right. (laughs) Talk to you guys soon. Later.